two of our leaders have been able to put together a business case and a business case model, Zoe, that actually creates a return of investment predominantly based on non-tangible benefits, community, environment, sustainability, water security, where previously those things weren't factored into a business case previously was pretty much dollar for dollar, it was a financial conversation. And now moving to those intangibles and that environmental community has allowed an organisation to put value within the business case, within their sustainability goals or their community goals for that investment decision. And that's what's been the most exciting part for us is that it's not just about a sense of costing a dollar and how much money do we get back for that dollar, but the bigger holistic view. Hi, Smart Community friends. In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I have a wonderful conversation with David Katalovsky and Louis Limnios. Now, you might remember David from way back in episode 140, which was in 2019 in the before times. Now, David is the co-founder of Green Bee, and Lewis is the Chief Customer Officer and Director of Nucleus 3. Now, I've got them on the podcast together today because they're working on some really interesting projects in the area of IoT, the Internet of Things, community engagement, and smart management of resources, such as water, waste, and energy. After telling us about their companies and what they're each passionate about, David, Lewis, and I discussed the importance of measuring more than the things that have traditionally been measured when making investment decisions as a local government or organization, plus the challenges and rewards of being a pioneer using IoT for smart resource management. David and Lewis tell us about the trends in the projects they've been working on, including councils working together to leverage data for interoperable customer engagement and how opening the conversation to the community not only gets more people at the table, but also helps find new use cases for the IoT data. We finish our chat talking about how we are finally getting away from the mentality that deploying something is enough, and moving towards using data to measure outcomes and deliver better solutions, plus the emerging issue of data security for councils. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, David, and hello, Lewis. I'm so excited to have you both on the podcast. Now, David, you've been on the podcast before, and I was having a look. It was episode 140, which we're at over 300 episodes now, so it was quite a while ago, back in 2019. Wow. And, Lewis, this is your first time on the podcast, so excited to have you. Okay, we're going to jump in. David, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're passionate about? Sure. It's great to be back on. I've got to say time certainly flies. It only seems like yesterday. I guess COVID is the blur between those timelines. Yeah. So my name is David Kadlowski. I'm co-founder of uh, Greenbee. We are a solution for government uh, utilities across water and energy that connects with uh, smart metering and sensor data, basically IoT, and we use that data to generate 
um, real world outcomes uh, in terms of water usage, energy usage, behaviors of residents and citizens. And that's what we're most passionate about achieving. Awesome. And Lewis, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us about your background and what you are passionate about? Firstly, thank you, Zoe, for the opportunity. Pretty exciting for me. Nuclear 3, we started in 2016 with the passion of all things operational technology and IoT. My passion is digitising water authorities um, and regional councils to better engage the community and ensure precious resources like water is better managed and uh, we have security for the future. So really looking forward to it. Awesome. Okay, now you're both on the podcast together because obviously we know in the smart community space that we we have to work together, like interoperability, et cetera. So I was really keen and I think, David, um, when we first reached out, you were suggesting that we have Lewis on the podcast as well because we know that you're yeah working together, I guess, to have a full solution. Now, before we dive into that in a bit more detail, let's go broad and, David, we'll start with you, but what is a smart community to you? The smart community to us is a community that, has largely a lot of services and data that are digitized, that are delivering value to uh, its customers. And I guess by customers, uh, from a community perspective, we're really looking at citizens and residents and stakeholders. Where do we derive value from the services that we're putting forward to the community? And where we sort of play in that is in the data side of things where we're setting up uh, advanced metering infrastructure or IoT sensors and uh, obviously connecting that back to the customer or to the actual citizen and how they can obviously uh, make their lives better, be more sustainable, more water efficient, uh, perform positive behaviours and participate in programs that will hopefully improve their experience within the community. Yeah, thanks for that. And Lewis, how about you? What is a smart community to you? Flexibility, having interoperability around technology and different vendors to meet a need or a use case for that community or that council, that organisation. And, you know, at, at the forefront of everything is the community and how to better engage that community around water, around data, around parks, around rubbish collection, about all things in there within there, improving the better of quality of life and I think interoperability around technology plays a big part. Historically, we've always been caught up, you know, it's only one solution must pick. However, the times are changing and big tier one, small tier twos, technology companies must need to work together to meet the outcomes of the customer. So that's something that we're looking forward to working with David. And one of the things that we've learned around interoperability that a lot of technology companies didn't have was keeping the community first. And David's you know, organisation and, and offering through the Green Bay platform really allowed us to close that loop and really create that 360 view within a community. So, yeah, so that's a, that's how, what we believe. Mm, no, I like that. And been doing work with councils and, and that's definitely a big kind of theme or topic or something that's it's not emerging per se, but it's growing. And particularly regional councils and people I've been talking to, it's like, you know, that best of breed language rather than just like a big platform that does absolutely everything because it may serve a really, you know, it may re- work really well for one aspect, say, I don't know, asset management, 
but actually for fleet management, it's no good. Or for water, you know, water data integration, it doesn't have that element or it may have it, but it's not exactly what we need. So you actually have to do a whole bunch of manual things as well. So it's not actually suiting those needs. Whereas actually, if you have, you know, the best of breed in uh, for different different elements, as long as we can bring those together and, you know, you've got those, I don't want to use technical terms in case people don't know, but you bring that data together that then can make decisions and then, you know, that user interface, both for the community, but then also the people working within, say, if we're talking about a council, for example, can actually get the data they need and make decisions with it. And that that flow is so important. And I know we're going to talk about that in a bit more detail. So let's go there now. So maybe, I don't know how we want to run this, but Dave, if you want to start, I'm keen to hear about some of the projects and things that you've been working on. And yeah, we can just kind of go between yourself and Lewis. But actually, before we go there, just to remind people, obviously, people can go back and listen to your podcast in whatever episode, that's say 140, quite a while ago now. While ago now, I'm sure you've done lots of things since then. But give us a bit of a 101 on Green Bee and Lewis, I'll get you to do the same for Nucleus 3. And then we can talk about how they integrate together. Yeah, thanks, Zoe. So... Obviously, as IoT and advanced metering infrastructure has really started to evolve, you know, when we first started out about 10 years ago, there wasn't all that much IoT or sensors or advanced metering infrastructure that existed across utilities or across local government. And, you know, that has really started to ramp up now in terms of unlocking a lot of the value that advanced metering infrastructure and digital meters and digital sensors can can provide to to government and to utilities. So I guess we've always had a track record of being really early, which is great, but also means that, you know, you're talking to customers and clients that aren't really there yet or aren't, aren't ready for it or don't have the resources internally in terms of the organization to really know how to unlock a lot of those things. So we've really been at the forefront with Greenbee in terms of our solutions around the sort of local government side uh, in terms of using data and customer data and how you can deliver outcomes in terms of real-world outcomes that are linked back to digital programs and also taking that theme and marrying it up to actual uh, usage data across, you know, household water, household energy, and how you can go about influencing customer behaviors and their, and their water efficiency or energy efficiency by gamifying that experience using things like points and rewards to, to shift behaviors during certain periods of time. And I guess we're, we're very fortunate to have worked with some of the leaders in those projects and deployments that we've had. And I guess there's been a fair amount of research and research papers that have come out of those projects. We're actually delivering hard data in terms of the, even in terms of savings or behaviors or whatever the case may be. It's, I think where we are today is beyond our approach 10 years ago when we'd launched something and we'd tick a box and everyone would have a celebration and would go to the pub, you know, that. Deploying something in the field, getting it in the hands of customers is really the first step. You haven't really achieved anything until you're actually delivering the outcomes that you set out to do and, the, and they're actual measurable outcomes. So for us, in linking our solution back to 
sensor data and HD data and the granularity that that gives you, you're actually able to to really look at people's patterns of behaviour and how they actually behave, whether they're in the home or outside of the home and how they interact. And that's really, really important because you don't really know whether you're achieving what you set out to achieve without that data. And that's what power of you know smart cities or smart government really gives us today. And it's something that that people really need to focus on is is the ocean. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like being able to, like you said, launching the app is or whatever the project, this case an app, um, but like launching that and getting it out there is step one. And then there's so many other steps and that measuring and monitoring is so important. And like even if it's not a you know any project that needs to be the case but we've st- really started i think uh, the smart community approach has really started embedding that which is really key and it's like that next level of maturity but also you have to be able to do that you have to set up the data to be able to do that and when it's a specific data project you would hope it makes you know it's, it's clear that that's what you're going to do but then you want to embed the same things in other projects that we're doing as well so you actually can set up that data in the first instance. And it's something I'm having a lot of conversations with councils about now as well is, you know, they may have deployed some technology, but they don't actually know, like on a, on a flip side, they've got all this data, but they don't know what to do with it. And so then it's like, yeah, so there's so many different streams. Um, it's not just like, oh, data, now we've got the thing. There's so many things that need to go into that planning of how that's going to work, how you're going to measure and monitor, who's going to do that, how then that's going to feed into decision making. There's so many other things that are feeding into that, which is some of the stuff you were talking about there, which I think is so key. And it's the only way that we're actually going to see real results in this space and be able to actually have that benefits realisation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Lewis, tell us about Nucleus 3. Yes, uh, Nucleus 3, born 2016, after spending myself a number of large SDIs and being involved in the smart meter deployment in Victoria, I saw a great opportunity to take the lessons learnt from that program and the good, the bad and the ugly of that program and um, try to establish a business that focuses on the convergence of IoT. We at a point where... Um, Technology was moving to be more engaging with customer and we saw the explosion of, you know, the iPhone and the connectivity of the internet and 4G, et cetera. And throughout the journey, we've, you know, we've worked on both sides of the fence. We've worked representing the customer and working with vendors and identifying technologies and processes to better, to deploy and better improve operations to working, responding to a customer and working with a, an ecosystem of partners to meet the, the needs. And what we've been able to do, Zoe, we, we don't sort of lock ourselves away exclusively to, you know, one vendor or another. We, we try to be flexible. We have a model that we call the N360 model, which is a, a 360-degree value offering that we actually work with multiple network providers or device partners or sensor manufacturers to, when we look at the customer's requirements, we actually go, what is best for that customer? And what we try to do is, create a, a solution that is, now we call it plumb and play, like plumbing, because it's water, but it's, it's a plug and play approach where depending on the need of that customer or that council or that organisation, they pick the solution. What we do for a mobile phone, you know, if you put a, grab a mobile phone and put a SIM card in, it just works and it knows how to operate and what to do and how that data is configured. 
And what we've been, been able to try to do is bring in multiple systems to create a what we call a single pane view of operationalized data, where all these data can come from asset management or SCADA, um, the IoT sensors or the meters to be able to be operationalized. And the, the exciting bit of you know the journey we've been on is when we first started, so we were talking a lot with the engineers and the SCADA engineers and the IT departments on how to deploy these things. And over the journey and working with David and bringing in, closing the loop off with customer and community, we've now got engagement with the, the marketing department, the, the customer relations department, the, the Indigenous or the community awareness teams. And all of a sudden now at that table when we are talking about digitising, it's not a technology discussion anymore. And that's the exciting bit about it all is that you're seeing how can this benefit quality of life, quality of health, sustainability, environment, and, and so on. And, and that's been really, it really came to the forefront when we had a, an issue late last year and when we had some social media platforms that were not behaving well in Australia regarding having access to their sites being available to the community. And we remember during that, those couple of days, you know, people were ringing us going, can we use, you know, IoT and Greenbee to engage with our, with our customers? And we were absolutely like, so that means we could finally own the customer. Yes. And that was the exciting bit, uh, Zoe, that the, the councils and the local government authority had a sense of control of the data that the consumer was producing within their own environments that they were able to communicate back. So for us, it's about creating a service offering that drives outcomes and digitizes an organization through data-driven decision making. And I, I really like what you said there around, you know, once you started thinking or once, you know, you started engaging from that customer lens, how many other people got seats at the table and then how different the conversation was as well, because that's so important. And also, I mean, from a marketing and storytelling perspective, that's actually what you need to get engage the community and to get the funding, to get the momentum, to get the leaders excited about it, right? You actually need to have conversations around the customer because that's what they care about and that's what yeah. we, you know, that's the objective. That's what the corporate plans say. That's what the community plans say. So actually integrating that together is so important. Yeah, and, and let's not forget the customer is the one that's actually paying for it at the end of the day. 100%. We're, we're serving the public, right? Absolutely. And to be honest, you know, David and I have been through this with our team and we've got a, a, an extremely strong team. You know, two of our leaders, Michael McFarlane and Mike Wassell, have been able to put together a business case and a, and a business case model, Zoe, that actually creates a return of investment predominantly based on non-tangible benefits, community, environment, sustainability, water security, where previously those things weren't factored into a business case. Previously, it was pretty much dollar for dollar. It was a financial conversation. And now moving to those intangibles and that environmental community has allowed an organisation to put value within the business case, within their sustainability goals or their community goals for that investment decision. And that's what's been the most exciting part for us is that it's not just about a sense of costing a dollar and how much money do we get back from that dollar, but the bigger holistic view. And that's what is sort of driving us to work more closely with Greenbee. And, and Greenbee's product has enabled us to now have the most important data set in the community <laughs> and that mm -hmm. ability to communicate. Yeah, that's so important. And I think some of those, yeah, intangibles being able to measure those. And again, I think it's like 
having the awareness and the focus on them, then you get more people at the table to input even to how to measure those things and that type of thing as well. So it's all like this kind of, you know, snowball effect of when you start to focus on it, then more people are talking about it. Then you've got more ideas that then how you can measure it, then you can show the return on investment. So then it kind of works together in this like kind of, you know, this ecosystem of creating value, which is essentially what we're trying to do. And at the end of the day, we want to make our communities more accessible, livable and sustainable for all. And that's not always going to have a hard dollar of, you know, you're saving this, so therefore that. Some things might be like that. But actually, you are, you're, by improving quality of life, you're opening up opportunities. Like water security is a huge one, right? We don't, like it's fine now while we're we able to turn on our taps, but how much does that cost when, when you cannot turn on your tap anymore? And, or, you know, at what level is it, you know, that level of risk is really, really key. And if you can start talking about things in those terms, obviously that may not be a community conversation. There's a different story or different language you want to be able to use or a narrative rather. It's still the same information, but yeah. different narrative. But the decision makers need to be focusing on those things because at the end of yeah. the day, the community needs to be able to turn on the tap, right? Yeah, you make an interesting point there. We we work with a customer, one of our uh, customers in New Zealand, and we just – it's deploying the Green Bee nuclear solution within their environment. And in the first um, two devices that we connected, we identified 50 litres of leaking per four hours or something. It worked out to like the size of an Olympic swimming pool per week being lost in those two premises. And it's interesting, when you visualise it like that to a a homeowner and then they realise the amount of loss of water in, in a visual swimming pool type of context, it's amazing how that behaviour of water changes. People are a bit more conscious about turning the tap off, you know, in the garden or not, you know, not leaving the nozzle on or how they're washing the car. And what we're trying to do is make people appreciate and be grateful for the resource we've got, if that's electricity, gas or water, whatever natural resource is that's, you know, that we're, we're tracking or managing or deploying. It's, it's not a given right to turn the switch on and have power or turn the tap on and have clean, beautiful drinking drinking water or having gas or heating. And when people understand that connection between that resource and their behaviour and being able to change that, it's a really powerful message in the community and it just it makes a big difference. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, David, keen to get your thoughts as well, I guess thinking about like some of the changes that you've seen in customers as well. Yeah. But for me... Like thinking about resources, for example, obviously that can have direct impact on people's quality of life. But also, like you said, it's like nurturing our precious resources as we move into having to do more with less and all those type of things. But I think there's going to be a point and where similarly, like with sustainability, it was a term we all knew and you know, we talked about, etc. But then when policy started changing hard and fast, where it was like, no, you need to measure, you need to measure emissions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, we're going to get more and more of that in terms of accountability of what data we need to collect and how we use it. And I think getting on the front foot, as we said, um, we talked about being the early adopters, which is you know, pioneering is hard, but at the end of the day, then you're you're there and you're pushing and you're creating change and shaping that change. But there will be a point where we will have to do it. won't be like, oh, this is really great. This is nice to have. I'm so glad we did this. This is a really innovative project. It'll be like, oh, no, we really need to do this because it's, written in policy or legislation and we don't necessarily want to have to wait for that but I do feel like in this smart community thing it's not just like oh that's all the smart stuff over there it's how we integrate it in because it it is a necessary requirement it's not a nice to have anymore as we move into yeah. this world right 
Yeah, look, I guess that's one of the difficult things around you know Australia and sort of talking about smart communities and smart utilities and smart municipalities, smart water authorities. You know, we we have examples overseas where sensors and smart metering are largely the norm, and we're talking about you know, in the millions and in the tens of millions and, and years of, of data where we are in terms of some of our projects and scales, we're in, a, we're in the tens of thousands. And I guess as these things become the norm for us as consumers and, and customers, we're going to say, well, why didn't we have this before? Or, you know, the future generations are going to say, well, this is normal. Of course, I can track my energy usage on a, on a daily basis on an hourly basis or my water usage on an hourly basis or even on a 30-minute interval basis, that granularity of data is just something that hasn't really existed over the last sort of decade up until now. And we're really creating the future in terms of IoT and sensors to allow us as humans and as communities to better manage our resources. And I guess as that wave comes, you know, it's going to become the future of what we have around us to, as you sort of said, using the the carbon emissions sort of example, uh, we're going to have that kind of data at our fingertips. It's not a question of if, it's more a question of when we will have that. And (laughs) the people that are on the wrong side of that argument are just going to be wrong in the future as we measure kind of everything, particularly around our resources that are so important to our daily lives, namely water water and energy. And as the cost of those, cost and supply of those things becomes vital from so many different sort of perspectives. So I think that, yeah, it's still sort of early on, but that wave is just building momentum at the moment. And eventually sort of my kids and future sort of generations, of course, we're going to be able to open up an application and see how much water we used sort of yesterday and and how we can better manage that. And look, if you, you're able to, to multiply that into the millions, there's significant sustainability and efficiency savings uh, that you can generate to hopefully say, well, we don't need to build a new dam because we're able to manage a lot of those efficiencies through software. <laughs> it's kind of the low-hanging fruit. And, you know, the energy industry has been doing this for a really long time in terms of managing the grid through customer applications and using things such as demand management and behavioral demand response, controlling people's air conditioners at times when there's peak load. You can apply those learnings to so many different behaviors across the sort of landscape. It's a really exciting time. As a technologist, we love building these kinds of solutions and seeing the kinds of impacts that you can make on people's behaviours and actually get into their home and somehow shift their behaviours and have that ingrained. That's the real fun stuff for us. And I think for government, that should be the aim. It's like, let's just get out of each other's way and actually focus on the outcomes that really matter not simply just ticking a box and say, we deployed something. How many people use it? I don't know. What were the outcomes that we generated? I don't really know. 
well, let's really look at the hard data and see where we're failing and how we can do better. And through through some tweaks, we might get there. And it's about nudging, right? And it's about providing information. It's not actually about like really at this stage, we're not forcing anyone to do anything, but we're providing the information. We're providing the nudges, the incentives to actually Correct. shift and yep. change, which, yeah, I think that's so powerful. I mean, you say similar things with like nudging transport, you know, mode shift and all those types of things as well. It seems like to get, you know, it's a hard thing to do, but all those things add up and providing people with information because a lot of the time and particularly, and I don't necessarily think it's just younger generations. We're probably just talking about it more, but we want to use our resources most effectively. Like, you know, I think 95% of the population want to do that. Right. And, but we want the information. They want to know, is it this or that? Like, if I have a, if I use my, I don't know, vacuum cleaner at this time, is it better than that time? I don't know now, so I'm just going to use it whenever I can. I don't have that information, whatever the case is. Is this device actually better than that device? All those type of things as well. Because you can also then measure your own interventions at that level. But then at a, at a council level or, you know, state level, like you said, at scale, all those things add up really quickly. And I think that's where you can get the most, yeah, you can see that real impact. You can see it, I might be able to see it individually, but then to see it on that grand scale is really, really important as well. Yeah, no, it's definitely, and and it's obviously a trend that has existed overseas in terms of these kinds of solutions using behavioural science and marrying that up to to hard data, you know, social norming as a part of those sort of nudges, you know, doing mm-hmm. something because your neighbours are doing something or performing at a certain level. Uh, so you should do it as well. You know, we have a lot of those kinds of solutions in other areas where we're encouraging people to exercise and using sort of leaderboards and benchmarking yourself against people that are of a similar age. You know, that kind of solution has sort of existed for a while that that obviously nudges behaviours around certain topics. It's just around applying that similar level of behavioural science to things that we do within our home and how we sort of use our resources and, and ingraining a lot of those behaviours for us. And I, I think it's really exciting to sort of think into the future and see how, you know, people in 10, 15, 20 years' time actually going to be interacting with with a lot of these things and interacting with their data. It's obviously going to be second nature to them, but, you know, that's the exciting part of us is you're inventing the future. Mm, yes. Now, speaking of the future, I was going to zoom into the future and talk about emerging trends, but I just want to quickly check in is there any particular project you wanted to talk about that we haven't mentioned already before we go to the future? I think for us, it's really a whole series of projects and consortiums that we're involved in where a lot of that relies on infrastructure. You know, that data needs to come from somewhere. And we're seeing a real trend in terms of, you know, smart metering, advanced metering infrastructure being deployed across Australian uh, local government areas, and that includes sort of sensor data as well. But, you know, we, we need that data to then wield it and power all these customer-facing solutions. So so that's really the key trend that we're sort of starting to see is the value of, of the data 
And, you know, it goes back to the old saying, if you, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So, so that trend is the real exciting one in terms of the projects that we're involved with in terms of these consortiums that involve telecommunications uh, providers, meters, you know, expert teams, obviously, such as Lou and Nucleus 3, along with ours. We're really all collaborating together to push things forward. Yeah, one of the things, though, is that we're one of the projects or number of projects is especially across New Zealand and New South Wales, is depending on the, you know, um, the geography, the terrain, the relationship between councils, we're actually, we are seeing more councils coming together and going, how do we do this as a co-op and collectively together? And that might mean you have one technology, we have another technology, but all the data coming into the one central platform or location to allow for decision-making at a group level and at an individual level is becoming more powerful. We're seeing that a lot happening now. And in the past, it was always every council thought they were uniquely different, but in reality, they've realised they're probably 95% the same or 90% the same, and they've got a, a few unique nuances that are specific to them. And we are seeing those councils now coming together and initiating programs that we're involved in that includes a number of different technology protocols that wouldn't traditionally not work together but wouldn't wouldn't traditionally be considered to be part of the same project. And now we're seeing, you know, NBIOT working with the iTron Mesh or the, the LoRa network working with the Sewers Wise technology. And those technologies coming together to get data from different even locations within a, a territory of a county or a state of a water authority to bring back that data to make those decisions and drive those operational efficiencies around water operations and community. So that's where the biggest thing that we're seeing in a lot of our projects at the moment, Zoe. Yeah, I love that. I think that smart regions approach is, is really important. I mean, obviously for scalability, but like you said, those common, you know, those common problems that they all that every all councils are having, why try and solve them all separately? Obviously, like and then the context then shifts and changes depending on what we need but the data then the other thing is you could then compare across like okay maybe this council and from a water perspective if we're thinking about that we all just want to use it more effectively more efficiently we want to use our resources you know best i don't see that as a competitive kind of issue like how many libraries do you have or something like that it's like we all need water right and yeah i guess the scalability of the technology so you know buying at scale value for money those type of things but then to be able to compare as well it's like oh, well, actually, this area and this area are quite similar, but this one's using a lot more water. Why is that the case? And it might be a, you know, a very good reason, or there might be a leak, or there might be something that's happening there that you could start to shift and nudge and, and change behaviour, or whatever the case is, right? Yeah, because the other thing we're also noticing is then bringing, you know, we're seeing it over in New Zealand, we're seeing it in Australia here also, is when you start bringing those communities and the councils together and, and led by the education, the expertise, they started to build it within their own community, specific to their community, specific to their program. Where in the past, they used to have this mentality, oh, we're only a 1,000 customer water authority. You know, no one wants to work with us. We don't have the expertise. Let's just continue doing it the way we're doing it. And what it's actually doing is it's, it's commencing that digital journey for them from a knowledge point of view, attracting new people to the area, skill sets to the area. And it's really 
it's not just be, it's beyond the technology, even the project that you're actually attracting, you know, people and community and skill sets and new, new industry. And that's the stuff that's really powerful when you start looking at, you know, that digital interoperable customer engagement, leveraging data. Yeah, I totally agree. I think talent retention or talent attraction and retention is something beyond beyond the technology, like you said, that smart communities can really bring. And I think it's another, that's more about trend. That's going to be like, it's not talked about enough. Um, And I think particularly for like, you know, local water authorities or councils, it's a necessity because we know that you can basically live and work from anywhere uh, nearly depending on you know if you're a knowledge-based worker or whatever the case may be so why do you want to live in that place but then also we're seeing the opposite where people are hyper local as well where they want to be in places that are progressive that they can access anything at their fingertips that you know maybe they do want to um you know be able to go to the local cafe as well as work you know in their high tech job at the local council whatever the case is so talent retention and and skill set development and all those type of things are just those they're not, I wouldn't even call them like, they're not even byproducts. They are like direct benefits of that approach, that digital transformation approach. So, yeah, they're really key. Thanks for bringing that one up. It's okay. So the one other thing that, there's a number of things, but the one thing that's really powerful at the moment now is we can ask you, David and I would ask you a question of the council or the water authority or the organisation. So outside of what you do, what's your biggest industry in your, in your municipality or your area or in your country town? You know, and if it could be agriculture or transport or whatever they might they they might tell us, and then we sort of pose a question: How can what we're doing here benefit that industry? And a lot of times, I we haven't thought of that, and we're like, why not bring you know irrigation into the conversation with our farmers? Why not make you know the technology that's available that's being deployed in your network available to your transport industry or to your livestock producers? And all of a sudden, the conversation expands to areas that they thought, wow, this is something we haven't considered and we shouldn't be looking at a, at a singular granular council or a local government point of view, but we should be looking at it as across industry or, you know, um, you know cross, cross, even sometimes cross competitors where you're, you're fighting for the same bandwidth, but you want to do the benefit of an outcome of, of, of benefit of an outcome. So... You know, that, that conversation does, or that question does get a lot of quiet looks around the room, but the conversation then fires up after that and they all of a sudden start finding use cases and applications to apply to. Mm. It's a really good point because it also, from both sides, it then opens up that, it opens up the door for, say, the farmers to join that conversation, whereas they might not have known that door existed, right? Or yeah. it was too hard or they couldn't go to scale, whereas, you know, maybe it is just a, an off branch of the council network or whatever the case is like we're talking about that but yeah it actually opens up that conversation for them as well which again like we said they're the community they're the ones we're serving so we want to open up as many doors as we can throughout that process which the other thing and we'll talk about we'll go back to the I'm looking at the time we better wrap up shortly but in terms of like bringing people to the table and opening up those conversations I think that's what the smart community approach can do no matter what project we're doing because it's actually the process is also innovative and unique and different. It's not just a normal project anymore, right? I mean, you still have to do the project management things and, you know, watch your scope and time and all those things as well. But actually the process of how we're doing this has to be different. Therefore, you have different conversations. Therefore, you open up different doors and therefore you have you learn stuff from just the process of doing this stuff as well, which I think is really key. Absolutely. 
Now, talking about the future, we've talked about a few future trends. Any other trends that we haven't mentioned yet that we want to add in? Yeah, for me, you know, working a lot with New Zealand and understanding the the Maori or the you know First Nations or the Indigenous sensitivities and and engagement in some of those projects and you know the, the Kiwis are, um, have really embraced it in part of our projects of engaging their local community and I think that's something that you know we started to see in Australia as the councils in New South Wales are now talking to the First Nations about you know how to manage water better and how they can be better for technology and it's it's such a beautiful and a powerful story when you're bringing in you know aspects of the community to really help you drive a better technology project it's not just about the technology but about all aspects of things that's something that's really dropped being driven in the future it's something that i'm that we are you know excited about being participating in yeah i think that's a great one and really necessary as we move forward but yeah thinking about um, our first nations people as the first technologists right you know the yeah. technology that they developed might not might not be digital technology but just technologies and methodologies and processes but then you know as we go we build on those and, and we learn new things and we shift and change those so it's really really key it's also understanding the relationship and the behavior towards that natural resource in water for example yeah. and how you know you know what we do enough for technology and and what we do through technology, you know, uh, these communities have been doing it for thousands of years and, you know, and sort of applying that those learnings into a potentially technology use case and a campaign that we can deploy using technology is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. David, how about you? Future trends? Yeah, yeah future trends for me, I, I think it's just the, the way sort of the trajectory that the industry is really taking. You know, one of the one of the things that I spoke about earlier, future trends, I think, is getting away from the mentality. And as someone that has a great deal of experience in data science, getting away from the mentality of deploying something is enough. I think uh, that kind of thinking was sort of very Web 1.0 or 2.0 is that we built a website and, you know, we put a whole bunch of content on it and we ticked that box and... We all went to the pub. I think that that kind of mentality is very dated today. So future trends, I think, is everything is going to be measured and outcomes are going to be measured by people such as yourself, Zoe, And when we're looking at, at data science. And we're really going to be focusing on, on hard data and how we can actually deliver outcomes and having the data actually to show that. And hopefully we can use that data to look at our failings and see where we can do better and um, where we can deliver better solutions. And, and it's that very iterative approach that as a technologist, we use on a daily basis. And, and we'd love to see that applied ac- across smart government and smart communities, because that's really what's going to push us forward as uh, as Australians and, and as humans. Mm. So, yeah, I think one more thing for me, and I wrote it down, and I was, is the security of the data. A lot of the councils, the sheer volume of data that's going to that smart metering and sensors and all things IoT and IT, OT, sorry, start driving to these communities, to the organisations, a lot of them wouldn't have the experience dealing with the volume of data from going from four manual reads a, a year to potentially data every half an hour, also helping those organisations and those local governmental entities manage, secure the data better and, um, you know, ensuring that they're protected 
I think will be a, a really important future thing that will happen in the future with around IoT. Yeah, I agree. It's so important and people thinking about that now and acting on it now as well. And and you see that even within digital transformation, like, you know, it's just like that next kind of iteration of, you know, going to the cloud, but making sure it's secure where it is and asking those questions. And I think, like we talked about earlier, skill sets required to be able to make those decisions is also really key as well. And having those internally for a council or, you know, an organisation is really important. Yeah, and, and I think then making decisions with that data too, if you can't store it, you can't make a decision with it. If it's not secure, you know, like there's so many things within that. And I think these are the next level conversations that are going to be so important. Well, they, they are now, right? We yeah. know, you know, and these aren't new conversations. Like this isn't new. Like we know there are data-driven companies, private sector all around the world, and we know governments have a lot of data. So they have processes in place. But it's just that next level, next level, next level as we mm. go on and on and up and up. Now, one last question, an easy one. Well, actually, first of all, it's been so great to have you both on the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. And really, when I have conversations like this about the future and where we're heading and, and you know, just kind of jeez me up again into the weekend. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and having these conversations. I love talking to people that passionate about the space but we're doing work real work in this space as well so really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me this afternoon and yeah I've, I've really enjoyed this so I just have one last question which is how can people connect with you for myself they can connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me a message on LinkedIn or they can send me an email at david at greenbee.com and I answer every message and every email I promise cross my heart <laughs> Do better than me. <laughs> I'm the same, same as David. I, I have a zero inbox policy where every night I have to go to bed with not, not a single outstanding e- email in my inbox. So via LinkedIn or via Louis at nucleus3, the number three, dot com dot au. And Zoe, absolute pleasure and really grateful and appreciative of the opportunity. Thank you. And thanks, team, again, for coming onto the podcast. I do look forward to our next conversation and I look forward to hearing about the projects and things that you've been working on and that, that you're working on right now and, and seeing the impact for those in the future too. So thanks again for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks. We'll say goodbye. Bye. 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 The Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by My Smart Community. If you're looking for support in podcast strategy and production, workshop design and facilitation, or communication and media advisory, get in touch. Email hello at mysmart.community or head to www.mysmart.community. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us 
reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.